Welcome to Obscurities. I'm Debbie Rochon. There have often been questions about who is pulling the strings when it comes to the United States government. Why for so long has everything from foreign to economic policy tended to favor the elites over the everyday working American? Some will blame the Republican Party, while others will counter that and blame the Democrats. The skeptic, however, will often see something more sinister going on behind the scenes, or as the brilliant comedian George Carlin once put it, It's a big club, and you ain't in it. There's probably no greater example of this theory than the 2004 presidential election of Bush versus Kerry. Although these men were diametrically opposed on issues including war, climate change, and civil rights, they certainly had some similarities. Both men were around the same age, and they both entered manhood during the Vietnam War. Both men joined the military, Bush in the Texas Air National Guard, and Kerry, a Navy lieutenant. Although, unlike Bush, Kerry did, in fact, serve in the war. Things get more interesting when you dig into their educational backgrounds, with both men attending the prestigious Ivy League Yale University. Kerry from 1962 to 1966, and Bush from 1964 to 1968. Not only did their time there overlap, though, but both men were also members of the elitist secret society Order 322, better known as Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones was established in 1832 at Yale University. When you view its list of notable alumni, it's plain to see that this is no ordinary fraternal organization. Since its inception, the men who have been handpicked by its members to join are what many refer to as the power elite. After graduating college, a giant chunk of these names go on to become people of significant influence, domestically and internationally. Of the founding members of 1832, the man most indicative of these characteristics would be Alfonso Taft. After his time with Skull and Bones, class of 1833, he went on to have many influential and powerful roles. U.S. Attorney General, Secretary of War, which we now know as Secretary of Defense, Ambassador to Austria-Hungary, as the region was then called, later becoming ambassador to Russia. The name Taft may also sound familiar if you've read about the 27th U.S. president, William Howard Taft, who was the son of Alfonso. Before becoming president, William Howard Taft was also in Skull and Bones in 1878. As mentioned in our introduction, George W. Bush was another U.S. president from the group, and so was his father, George H.W. Bush, the 41st president. When H.W. Bush was sworn in as vice president to Ronald Reagan in January of 1981, he even took the oath under another Skull and Bones member, Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart. If disaster struck today, would you be ready? 
earthquakes, tornadoes, power outages, terrorist attacks. Anything could happen at any moment. And preparation with a Quake Kit is your first defense. Quake Kit provides an emergency bag filled with all the essentials to help ensure you and your family's survival in an emergency or unforeseen disaster. You choose the level of preparedness, reasonably, completely, or extensively, the number of people, and the length of time. Quake Kit provides the kit filled with supplies in five critical areas, food and water, tools and first aid, light and comms, shelter and warmth, and hygiene and sanitation. Along with their traditional emergency kits, Quake Kits shines with specialized, practical kits, providing solutions for your vehicle during emergencies such as blackouts or hurricanes and kits for your office or classroom. There are even emergency kits custom created for your child, dog, or cat. Purchase your survival solution today by going to narrative.fm slash survival and receive 25% off your entire purchase plus two to three day free shipping on orders over $50 to receive 25% off your complete purchase and get free two to three day shipping. Go to narrative.fm slash survival. That's narrative.fm slash survival. Skull and Bones doesn't just include powerful politicians, however. A few other members of note include founder of National Review and one-time CIA officer William F. Buckley, Jr. Several members of the prestigious Whitney and Vanderbilt families, gold medal-winning Olympian swimmer and Hall of Fame member Don Scholander, and even Golden Globe and Emmy Award-winning actor Paul Giamatti. Members like these are beloved by many, though some of them certainly have their detractors. However, the most fervent opponents of Skull and Bones and their ties to the elite will point to some of their other connections as being the most sinister. For example, W. Averill Harriman of the 1913 class was a banking business owner. His businesses took part in the financial banking of the Nazi Party prior to the declaration of war by the U.S. against Germany. In the documentary titled Skull and Bones, directed by Helmut Schleppi and Daniel DeWitt, they also tie some questionable figures and events to George H.W. Bush, including the scandal of Iran-Contra involving illegal weapons sales. They also discuss at length the invitation by H.W. Bush before his presidency to William Shockley in addressing a Republican task force. Shockley, a physicist and inventor, was a proponent of eugenics, and his views included racist conspiracy theory that involved the inferiority of the black population. Some believe these ties to skull and bones could be seen as grasping at straws. But they haven't stopped conspiracy-minded authors like Webster Tarpley, featured in the film, from labeling skull and bones as a satanic cult and citing its dark imagery, 
including its hall known as the tomb, where all non-members are forbidden from entering. Tarpley goes on to ask if the majority of the members have used their power to do great work for charity and advancement of humankind, or if most Skull and Bones grads are simply concerned with the accumulation of their personal wealth. He believes the latter to be the more accurate assessment. So how does one join Skull and Bones? No matter the person's financial position, influence, or intelligence, you cannot simply ask to join. You are chosen. Every April, there is an initiation night called Tap Night, where the current class of Bones handpicks 15 juniors at Yale to join the society. These 15 are chosen after heavy consideration, and the process begins from the moment they attend Yale. The group secretly observes them, and the chosen few are selected because something sets them apart and makes them the right fit for skull and bones. On tap night, a member will smack the shoulder of a chosen prospect and sternly ask, Skull and bones, do you accept? If they do, they are allegedly handed a message wrapped in a black ribbon, sealed in a black wax coating, and containing the morbid Skull and Bones logo, along with the number they inscribe on their official documents, 322. The document instructs them to attend initiation night the following Tuesday, where they will be permitted inside the infamous tomb. The 15 are selected in their junior year and become full-fledged members when entering as seniors. One can infer this likely keeps a great deal of mystique alive, since by the time members are done with the group, they have moved on from the halls of Yale and onto new endeavors. In its early years, Yale in itself was a more exclusionary group. So members were mostly all limited to white Protestant males. By the mid-1900s, though, blacks, Jews, and other minorities were accepted into the fold. Yet it wasn't until 20 years ago that the group became co-ed, a controversial move decided on by mail-in ballot of alumni, with a close vote of 368 to 320. However, it's hard to speculate on how many women have been a part of the group due to Skull and Bones deciding to no longer publish their rosters after 1982. The only notable female member who publicly acknowledges being part of the group is Angela Warnock Buckdahl, a member in 1994 and now senior rabbi at New York Central Synagogue, as well as the first ordained Asian-American rabbi and cantor. When it comes to activities that the group engages in and what goes on behind the walls of the tomb, things get pretty mysterious and relatively obscure. An Esquire piece from 1977 titled The Last Secrets of Skull and Bones is an expose in the group, though its allegations cannot be confirmed. The story's author, Ron Rosenbaum, claims that what goes on for those initiated includes a revealing of each member's entire sexual history in detail. 
indeed a reason why the organization may have remained entirely male for so long. The piece also speculates that hazing and physical beatings are a part of the process. It's truly wild to think that several free world leaders partook in such juvenile debauchery. However, members feel enriched knowing that being part of such a lineage would likely guarantee them a lucrative job, giving them a leg up on their fellow classmates, with bonesmen a part of nearly every significant industry. Also of note from the Esquire piece is the claim that members receive a $15,000 tax-free gift for joining courtesy of the Russell Trust Association, the business name for Skull and Bones Incorporated back in 1856. Adjust that for inflation today and we're talking nearly $70,000. Not bad. Additionally, about a six-hour drive from the area of New Haven, Connecticut, where Yale resides, is a place called Deer Island in Alexandria, New York, right below the Canadian border. The property within the St. Lawrence River is entirely owned and operated by Skull and Bones. The 50-acre plot of land is filled with white pine, black oak, hemlock, and sugar maple trees. The island is host to all of Skull and Bones retreats, and what goes on there, much like everything else within the group, we may never know. Members swear an oath never to reveal what goes on with any of their gatherings, which is why so little is known. When President George H.W. Bush was asked about the group in a public event, he simply left the room. On Meet the Press during a 2004 presidential election, the late Tim Russert asked his son about him and his opponent being members. Bush's reply, with a smile, was simply that he couldn't talk about it before Russert quickly moved to other issues. You were both in Skull and Bones, the secret society. It's so secret we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? The conspiracy theorists are going to go wild. I'm sure they are. I don't know. I haven't seen the web. Number 322. <laughs> <laughs> Russert took the opportunity to ask John Kerry in a separate interview about the group as well. You both were members of Skull and Bones, a secret society of Yale. What does that tell us? Uh, not much because it's a secret. <laughs> Is there a secret handshake? Is there a secret code? I wish there were something secret I could manifest. 322, a secret number? Uh, there are all kinds of secrets, then, but one thing is not a secret. I disagree with this president's direction that he's taking the country. We can do a better job, and I intend to do it. And we'll be watching Be Safe on the Campaign Trail. John Kerry, thank you for joining us. And we'll be right back. Whether it's Bohemian Grove, the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission, or Skull and Bones, people will likely always view secret societies populated with members of the 1% with significant distrust. People demand transparency from their leaders, and how can they be transparent when part of their lives are involved in groups where they are sworn to total secrecy? The 2004 presidential election created a lot of distrust for those reasons and led people to wonder if our leaders really have our best interest. Is Skull and Bones just a group of privileged college students sharing great times and making connections? 
Or are they the controllers of the world in which we peasants simply exist?